You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's a brand new year for The Bannerman. It's a brand new year for the Los Angeles Kings. Hope springs eternal, baby. We got a blank canvas, new stories to write. This miserable 2019 from a Kings perspective is over, and it's the year of the double Robitaille. How are you tonight, Vardy? Damn, I like that. The year of the double Robitaille. It's got to be good, right? I mean... Jeez, I, I hadn't even thought of that, but you, sir... Have, have brightened my day. Have that's brightened my double year. the luck if you're keeping right. track at home. That's double Ooh. the luck. Maybe it'll carry over to the draft lottery for once. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Although with the way the Kings are playing, they might well, this, they might be I mean, a threat to their own draft lottery they, chances. I mean, they'll still be lottery in the presence of you know not being in the playoffs sure they'll be in the lottery but they'll not they won't really be in the true lottery if you're talking like the bottom five teams they're definitely yes yes i mean let's be honest here detroit is running away with that uh highest percentage lottery chance right now they are a dismal team i think their uh point projection as of today is 65 that's 65 I, I, points projected. I saw something on TSN that since like the early 90s or whatever, they're projecting to be one of the worst teams ever right down there with like the first couple seasons of the Senators Ooh. and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, like, yes. That is, that is some atrocious <laughs> hockey. Bad hockey clubs Terrible. in history. Vardy, real quick. Before mm. we get started with all the goings on regarding the Kings and and their budding prospects and all that, what were your favorite? Let's start with LA Kings memories of 2019. It's listen. Let's start with one. <laughs> <laughs> we're going with one right now. Well, let's. Uh, yeah. It's tough. Kaliev, drafting Kaliev. Drafting Kaliev is a great, great answer. It's one of my top answers as well especially with how it's panned out since i think we were all excited based on the potential when it happened because it was such a it was it was such a non-traditional king's pick like even though he was there and he fell down the board and he was highest rated player like you felt like deep in deep down in your heart that somehow dean lombardi's voice was again gonna whisper into rob blake's ear (laughs) and tell him take the two way defenseman or something, <laughs> exactly. something stupid like that. But no, man, they went, they went balls to the walls. They took hardy time and, yeah. uh, a one dimensional sniper. I love it. And I which love that. Historically, dimension. especially in 2019 worked so well for the Kings brass <laughs> yes. and some of their fans. So this is, this is going to be great, but no, oh, I man. agree with you. Kaliev is, is one of them. I got to go with just the health of Gabe Velarde. Probably Ooh, the highlight of my 2019. That is that and, is a good one too. Well, the thing is, it's still so early in said health of the player, so I don't want to, you know, throw a party or anything yet. But that's got to be up there. Kaliev, great. That's about it. It's been a rough. It's been a rough year. I would say. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think January of like something. To, to January, it has not been yeah. good. It has not been good for the LA Kings. I was trying to think of like. Kings player, yeah, like something on ice. You know, I was trying to think about it too. Like I'm trying to, but every cool thing that happened, thousand games. Every cool thing that happened happened last season. I'm sorry, not last season, the season before, where Kopitar had 92 points and Mm -hmm. he had the four goal game 
and mm. Brown had the what did he have on his 1,000th game? The game winner. Yeah. Against like all that cool stuff happened. Now two seasons ago, <laughs> and everything's kind of been crappy. Since I mean, Kopitar and Carter having their thousandth games. I guess. I guess, but I mean. But those are like inevitabilities, right? Like they're not really. Right, right. Like the Toffoli buzzer beater, all that, you know, right, all that, that was, cool stuff is not. That was 2018. <laughs> it's not 20. It might have even been 17. I don't know when it happened, <sighs> but it was 17, 18 season essentially because 18, 19 season, not good. And then 1920, also but not you know, good. That's all in the past though. It now, actually is in the past. It that's uh, literally and figuratively it is in the past and now we're in the double luke year the year of the double luke that's right and the kings to close out this what what was actually the greatest decade in their history believe it or not (laughs) (laughs) the way it's felt the last three seasons you'd be like really but yes clearly the best decade in king's history they've actually closed it off in a respectable we, I respect yeah. the King's effort. I respect the way they're playing games. They are, and and they capped it off, of course, with that New Year's Eve game against the Flyers, where they just yeah, they came really, out. really played well. One of their best games of the season, which isn't saying much, but they looked really good. And could we be seeing kind of a different look for the rest of this season, Vardy, and maybe all of 2020 if you roll into next season? Is is the tide kind of turning? I think so. I mean, I, we were we were noticing this kind of even before the last couple of weeks, but it's it, it seems like every game is building on the next on the one before it, right? Like there's positives in every direction. Um, the play overall is really fun to watch, and if you want to put an objective marker to it like if you look at the advanced statistics if you look at all the charts and everything the kings are actually consistently being shown to be playing good quality hockey shots are coming from quality places shot volume has never been a problem the goaltending has been solid really the only thing that's kind of been lagging has been their shooting percentage um which again that's that's something that's a little bit of a product of the team you've got. But even that, like, I think you finally found a successful line combination with uh, Lazat, Kempe, and Wagner. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really nice. You know, Blake Lazat overall has been a nice surprise this season. And Adrian Kempe, who we even talked about in the first, you know, 10, 15 games of the season, of like, oh, he's topped out. Like, we're not sure. Is this it? Is this what we got? Turns out that he does better on the wing with Blake Lazat and he's had a very, you know, consistent and appreciable change in his game, I think, over the past several weeks. So I think things in general are headed in the right direction. Certainly the next month or two is going to be very interesting because now that you're actually getting decent play from uh namely Tyler Toffoli and approaching the trade deadline and all yeah. those things that we've we've kind of known are looming, it's it's gonna create uh, some interesting decisions. I, I don't think it's changed anything in terms of the fact that Toffoli's probably still going to get moved. If anything, it's added to his value. Um, but then also now today, we're getting word that Alec Martinez is now being reactivated from that horrific wrist injury he suffered. 
uh, Derek Forbert has been recalled. So we're rapidly approaching um, probably for the first time all season having a complete decor, at least what was like projected to be our decor from the from the beginning of the season. I don't know. Positives, I guess, overall. I think overall the feeling around the team from a fan perspective is positive. I think you can now tell that we've talked about this in the prior episodes that the team, the players are buying into what the coaching staff is selling. Definitely. Clearly, obviously from day one, shot volume was a very important part of Todd McClellan's game plan moving forward is just always outshoot your opponent. And from in the beginning of the season, it was very much just that it was just about putting the puck on net. But as the games have gone, as the team has gotten more comfortable, you could see that their shot selection has mm-hmm. gotten dramatically better while still consistently outshooting all almost all their opponents. Uh, they're coming from more dangerous places. They are getting more quality looks. They're just not getting the finish, as you mentioned. Yeah. The Kopitar follow to Foley combination. I'm not sure because I unfortunately couldn't watch that Flyers game, but I'm not sure if they were still together that game. Yeah, I, I sincerely can't remember. And obviously Brown was out for that one because he he's dealing with pneumonia. Right. Right, by right, the right. way, right. Um, really, I think more of that game was just the power play. I think the special teams play was was really the hallmark of that of that game for me, both shorthanded and and power play wise. It was the, one of the most effective games I've seen them play. It was so I don't know if it was specifically a line. I think it was, it was units that seemed to stand out more to me for that game. Right. Well, the game before that one, I think the Kopitar I have followed to Foley line was absolutely dominant all game. Right. And you could tell they were really carrying the team. The main thing why I went to that is because you mentioned Tyler Toffoli, and he's, I mm-hmm. think, starting to feel good about his game. And, of course, it helps when you're playing with the best player on the team. And should they stay together, the Kings will actually have an interesting trade chip in that player. So I hope he continues that way. Obviously, he's getting on the board. Should the Kings choose to move him, now you could hopefully look to get a decent return back. And that's... That should be the goal with this player. Would it surprise you, though, Vardy, if for some reason they don't trade him? A little bit. I would, I'll, be would surprise you. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, you 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 got to have that, like, five-year vision, right? Like, you have a dude who's about to be a UFA. Yeah. Honestly, do you plan on resigning him? If he's a UFA, I don't think so. I don't see how he fits into the plans for the team imminently within the next couple of seasons. So to me, I would be really kind of surprised. I would, you know, we, we've joked about this before. A lot of people have, but like, that's to me, if you don't trade him even for anything, quite honestly, like I, I can't, not that I'm saying like take any low ball offer, you know, don't trade him for a fifth round pick or anything, but like, if you don't get something back for for that, for a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who's a 20-goal scorer, clearly games turned around and is a pending UFA, like, what are, what are you going to trade? You know what I mean? Yeah. The only reason I ask is because since last season we've been hearing about this guy's gone, that guy's gone. We covered this before. Many of, the guy, many of those guys still here. 
But I mean, but you look at the Muzzin trade, right? Like Muzzin yes, was. I was going to say, except Muzzin. Yeah, like Muzzin. Muzzin was the most tradable asset that they had at that time, and I think they got a fantastic return for Jake Muzzin. And does it Jake Muzzin right now? Does it make any difference to the team? It make to me it doesn't make any difference. Like if Jake Muzzin was or wasn't on this team right now, yeah, I don't think it would change their fortunes in any way. So. And that's kind of how I see Tyler Toffoli as well. Like keeping him doesn't change anything for your team. You you have more value in trading that player than you do in holding on to him. So, yeah, I would be really surprised if they don't move him by the trade deadline. Yeah, I would be too. We'll see what happens. Hopefully it's a good return. You got to think if he's playing that this well, I mean, at least a second rounder should be yeah. on the table for a team yeah. that's looking for someone who could finish he's a finisher he hasn't done it in a few seasons but he is still a finisher uh, when he's at his best we were talking about the world junior championship Vardy, and we mm-hmm. did talk about a finisher earlier and his name is arthur kaliev born in uzbekistan playing for the united states well was because the u.s is now eliminated uh, from the tournament but yeah they're like playing for seventh or something yeah they're oh. it's funny because they they defeated russia after russia destroyed canada right six nothing and then uh u.s beats russia three to one and you're like wow this is yeah this is something special but of course alas uh the wheels kind of fell off against finland in a one nothing game kind of an odd odd game but right other than kaliev who obviously lit it up uh, goal scoring wise, I think he had four goals in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Most of them, well, through most of them of the one timer variety, <laughs> the goalies <laughs> pretty much had no chance. One of them was an obscene bad angle wrister that right. went in and out so fast that no one in the building knew what the hell was going on except one referee who saw it and was emphatic in his decision that it was a goal. Just fun to watch. He is, he's just a guy whose skill set cannot be taught, in my opinion. It's just something where he has. It's like the Brett Hulls, the Steven Stomkos type players who just find a small patch of ice they're comfortable in, and you know it's coming, but you still can't stop it. And right. that, that's what he has right now in his game with that off-wing one-timer. He's a left-handed shot, so he's coming off the right side, and it seems to be working for him. Whether it's in the OHL, whether it's in the World <laughs> Junior, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's, I mean, he was tearing up the OHL, that. too. He, yeah. was, he was like far and away i think he's scoring almost the goal a game in the ohl and again at the very same variety like you mentioned um i think you the thing that i appreciate most is that he trusts his shot there's no there's none of this question of like oh i need a i need a better position i need a better i need to wait a second here like he knows he's got a quick release and he trusts it enough that he is not afraid to put seven eight shots on net every chance he gets because there's a good chance at least two of those are going to go in and you know it's i remember way back when again i'm not drawing comparison to ovechkin here but i remember way back when when Ovechkin was just getting in the league and it was very clear that his his off-wing one-timer was was something else um I remember there was like an interview or like a practice session that they were just showing and they were just he doesn't look up when he shoots because he knows exactly every single time how to without looking 
and without having to add that extra motion of like looking up from receiving the pass, he knows exactly how to place the puck exactly where he wants to. And I see a lot of that in Kaliev too. Like the blade knows where to go. The hands know where to go for the puck to end up right where the shot wants to be every single time without right. him necessarily having to take an extra second and look to see where the opening is, you know? So, um, if again, if that's his one dimension, he is really, really good at that dimension. And I am, all about having it on this team i think the team desperately needs someone like kaliev now hopefully well, it's not hopefully he's a new age player he is not you know one of these old school guys who are set in their ways and are going to play their one dimension no matter what you do he is still very much in development he's still being trained uh in the in the North American style of hockey. So I'm not too worried that he's going to be completely one dimensional. There will be more yeah. dimensions in his game. Um, but it's just so encouraging to see, you know, I always, anytime you guys are on our Twitter and you see retweets of other fans being sad about something, it's usually me. <laughs> it's, usually, it's usually me retweeting. Cause I think it's so funny back in the day when there were, you know, message boards and all that. I always loved, let's say the Kings were playing the sharks, and the Kings were winning. I'd love to go to the Sharks message board and just drink their tears. That's what, right. That was one of my favorite things. To do. So it's always nice when you see so many people just be like, man, wish we wish we drafted him. Can't believe he fell to 33. Can't believe yep. he looked, stuff like that. Of course, these are just fans. A lot can happen. But we knew from the beginning, Vardy. We were very excited from the beginning because the Bjornfoot draft choice wasn't the sexy one. Right, because we were all on the Cole Caulfield train, who right. is playing well, by the way. Um, yeah. Also, not a bad player. Yeah, uh, so we were kind of bummed, but then the gift of Kaliev, uh, another gift, I guess you could say, in the 2019 draft, number 50 overall, Sammy yeah, Fa- Sammy Fogamo. Great second round. Good, good great second, second round. round. Sammy Fogamo, who is currently in the Swedish Elite League, is in this 2020 tournament. He's played six games. He has seven goals, four assists, 11 points. Right. I think he's tied for the tournament lead in scoring. He if should I'm not, be, yes. If I'm not mistaken. And again, that's that's probably a little bit of a product of, of the U.S. getting eliminated early and whatnot because Trevor Zegras was, was certainly putting up numbers as I well. I think he had 10 assists alone. Zegras did and yeah, that, that's most gonna, of them off Kalia's. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to... Uh, Zegras is going to haunt us for a long time with him being in Anaheim, but that's neither. He had nine assists in five games. That's how he's going to. Uh, well, no, he has one more game. He has a consolation game. Well, he has the consolation game, yeah, yeah. whatever. But uh, it's Fogamo with 7 4, 11. <clears throat> uh, Barrett Hayton from Canada, five goals, six assists, 11 points. Uh, Niels Hoglander, I hope I'm pro- pronouncing that correctly, five and five for 10. And then Rasmus Sandina, defenseman, has nine points. He's right. a Toronto Maple Leaf property. So it's been it's been interesting <laughs> to say the least. Russia, Canada, Vardy, who you got? Honestly, man, Russia. Russia's just looked so good. You know, it depends on the game. <laughs> it depends on the game. There's some games they look they've looked outstanding, and there's some games they looked very mortal. So it's very it's going to be interesting, but if I had to, if I had to throw some money on, I'll sprinkle some money on Canada, because they were far and away the favorite going into this thing, and even though they lost six nothing to Russia, which is not 
And then they came a out and beat game. Finland five nothing. This like in in the semis, which it's a weird weird team. This Canadian team. Yeah. And just like the Russian team, it's very odd. So you don't know what you're gonna get, and I'm very interested to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, we could speaking of Canada, and maybe jumping a bit ahead to this year's draft, and hopefully the guy that all, everyone in Detroit is begging for. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere. Yes, man, <laughs> he's good at he's good at hockey. He is a good hockey player. Absolutely, very talented. Um, very very talented. If you want to feel old, <laughs> God, he was born in two thousand one, the end of two thousand one. I distinctly remember <laughs> a lot of things about two thousand one. So yeah, he's slated. And things change, of course, but as of right now, he would probably be going number one overall. Yeah. To probably I, I the seen Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> well, they would hope so, but they would he, hope so. Geez, weirder things have happened. And then Quinton Byfield, another uh, another projected top three pick. Kind of a quieter tournament, obviously. Uh, Lafreniere clearly, uh, you know, leading the charge yeah. in terms of prospects. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he got hurt for a couple games, I think, and that certainly didn't help Canada. And obviously, he came back this this game uh, against Finland. So if everyone's healthy going against the Russian team, that's going to be a heck of a game. It's going right. to be a heck of a game. Alexander Kovanov from Russia is having himself a tourney. Uh, six game played, three goals, five assists. He is property of the Minnesota Wild. He was taking uh, number 86 overall. So a lot of, I mean, this tournament, that's what it is. That's why it's exciting because it is absolutely the future of the NHL playing. Right. I mean, you look back at some of the tournaments from years past. I mean, good God, some of the teams, some of the players we've seen. So like Kyle Clifford, what year was that? Kyle Clifford. Oh, geez. I got to check uh, this. 2010. This is – well, he was already in the league by 2011. Yeah, so, so yeah, 2010, yeah, 20, right. 2009, 2010, I would think. Right. This is back when, by the way, Kyle Clifford was supposed Kyle to be – Kyle 20, Clifford made it okay to guy. trade Wayne Simmons. Is, I, I yeah, don't Vardy's, want anyone Vardy's to ever forget that. About this. Um, <laughs> One season of Kyle <laughs> Clifford made everyone feel like it's cool. We can we can move Wayne Simmons. We got we got a guy here who's going to be just as good as Wayne Simmons. So I'm looking Vardy, and I don't see him. I don't see a World Junior Championship appearance for him. He was on the under 18 team. Interesting. I, I could have sworn I would have bet anything. That I he... mean, I believed you obviously because he was a somewhat prized prospect at the time uh but it it seems to me vardy he never made it interesting now i gotta now i gotta look into this as to whether there was like an injury or some reason because i swear everything uh anyway i'll i'll look into it there is a so interesting i guess it's an interesting question vardy who among the current LA Kings, can you definitively say represented their country in the World Junior Championship? There's obviously a couple of layups. 
did Toffoli? See, that's, I mean, I know, I, I know. Think, Jeff I don't Carter think did. I think Tyler Toffoli was cut. I think I, he was I, cut I, from camp. Jeff Carter definitely did. Jeff Carter definitely did. Drew Doughty definitely did. Yes. Um, I assume Jonathan Quick <laughs> did. I'm not sure, man, because he was like a third round pick. Remember, he was not. That's true. If, actually, you know who did was um, Dustin Brown. Was Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell, Dustin Brown, and Jack Campbell both right. made the World Junior team. Right. I, I, man, this Kyle Clifford one's really bothering me because I <laughs> of swear. All the, of all the players, <sighs> that's hilarious. Um, the best Tyler Toffoli did was represent Canada's under-17 team, where he lit it up, of course. Uh, now I, I like this little rabbit hole now because – Man, we're the live rabbit hole. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, I guess you're right. World Junior under 18 is all Kyle Clifford ever played. I am, I am shocked and bewildered here. But I mean, there's um, been plenty of former Kings. Patrick O'Sullivan comes sure, to sure. mind. Patty Jack Johnson Jack was Johnson. a World Junior legend at some point. I mean, of the current ones, though. Of the current yeah, ones, you- it's very difficult because Alec Martinez didn't make that team. No, definitely not. Derek Forbert, I don't believe, did. Ooh, he might have actually. Because he was a high pick, too. He, he, was, he was a uh, high pick, and he was. Derek, and now he might, he Derek was in Forbert's the, elite the, prospects page. Yes, two times, Vardy. The World that? Junior Championship representative. How about that? 10, 11, and 11, 12. And under 18. And the under wow. 18. Yes, yes, yes. Interesting, interesting. Uh, guess who I'm searching next? Ooh. Okay, so he said, oh, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. But otherwise, like, yeah, I follow definitely didn't. I follow played college. Right. Kempy. Kempy definitely did. Oh, he did. I'm one hundred percent sure Kempy definitely did. He did, yes. Uh Blake Lazat most certainly did not. Um Yeah, now I'm just going up and down the forwards here. <laughs> It's 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 an interesting exercise, and Kobe uh, would have, except for the fact that you know Slovenia's team is not in the in the upper division. Right. He exactly. That's why. That's the. That's why the this little game was even interesting to me because my first thought was, well, Kobe's not in it, so that right. Yeah, Adrian Kempe actually has a pretty remarkable international career, if you look at it. Like he has played for Sweden. Almost every year that he's had a chance to play for Sweden, from under 18 to under 17, to under 16. Yeah, like he is, he is one of the. He's like the Trey cream of the crop for them. Yeah, yeah. Trey Croner, sure. crown jewels. Sure. Uh, Nikolai Prokorkin has not represented Russia in the World Junior Championship. Yeah. So interesting. So, very very interesting. But it also goes to show you that like the tournament is a bit. You know, it's it's hit or miss, right? Oh, you can sure. Have a guy There's like guys. Kopitar. Look, if I, if I remember correctly, the year where Canada had the super team with Crosby and Bergeron and a bunch of those other guys, like Nigel Dawes was like their that, best player. Man, that is exactly the name that was coming to my mind. Yeah. KHL and, scoring sensation Nigel Dawes. And he had zero success in the NHL. Yeah. And, and he, he, was, was, he was Flames pick or was he New York? I forget now. Oh, I got I got to check. It's one of those. So, and he's played for six NHL teams, right? And I'm serious. Like he is, 
he's one of the most prolific KHL scorers. Oh, yeah. He was with the Rangers, Sir Nigel Dawes. Yes. Uh, Best season he had. uh, In the the NHL? In the NHL, he actually had 32 points in 66 games with Calgary in 09-10. Okay. 14 goals, 18 assists. So not bad. Right. Not terrible, no. And then the next season, he kind of bounced around the AHL and then went to the K. And he's been in the K since. Yeah. I mean, he must have liked it, I imagine, you know, getting paid well and playing and decently. Yeah. So, because he didn't, I mean, who knows? Maybe he never got an offer beyond that. But, like, he was, he basically was scoring, like, third-line points when he was. uh, Yeah. And in the World Junior, that not so much that loaded year with Crosby, the year before. Yeah. 11 points in 16 years. Yeah. And that's the year where. They still had a lot of those stars on those teams because right. this is after the 03, the infamous 03 right. draft. So a lot of those players are on that team, and he was one of the best players on the team. And you were like, here we go. This guy, his future in the NHL is bright. Turns out he's the Wayne Gretzky of the KHL. <laughs> that's, that's where which he is, tops out, which ain't bad. Hey, man. Hey, if he's happy there and he's doing well for himself, more power to him. He's getting that tax-free money. So I'm sure he's, exactly. he's very happy. Exactly. With the way his exactly. career is kind of. But it is it's it's a fun tournament regardless. Like you see, you know, you see all these prospects from all these different teams kind of come up against one another, and it's it's a very uh, aggressive tournament. Like these guys take the losses hard. You know, we've we've seen Swedish players throw medals into the stands when they get the silver. Oh, yeah. We've yeah. we've seen all sorts of stuff. The one, you know, what's one one thing that's kind of been interesting is um, the penalty calling and a lot of suspensions and game misconducts and things like that for for hits to the head. That yeah. I think, you know, most of them I look at them, I'm like, I see four four or five hits like that almost every game that I watch on the NHL and. You know, we sit there and we debate whether that was even directly to the head or whatnot. Like, they do not mess around. No, These IHF balls yeah. are, are very, like, it looked like he glanced off the head after. It yeah. doesn't, it, irrelevant. Like, if there's any contact whatsoever with the head, whether it's the primary, secondary, tertiary point of contact, it, it doesn't matter. It's five in a game. So you're seeing a lot of guys, like, get thrown out of games and get game misconduct left and right. No, the uh, IHF rules, and I remember the first time I ever read the IHF rules, it was very, very interesting, like, how how harsh everything was. Any kind of, like, fight situation is an automatic yeah. suspension. There is no – the governing body is just like, no, this isn't that nonsense. And I think that's – it's for the best, and it's trickled down to – all the other kind of hockey Canada and USA hockey, it's it's all very similar, and, and the IHS kind of leading that. So, yeah. Um, but still, man, physical games. That USA-Russia game, or was it the USA-Russia game? Where I think it was, where they just straight out were destroying each other. I mean, I feel like every game I've watched, there's been a bunch of hits that... Uh, I think I watched the Sweden-Canada game. Uh, Might have been in the round-robin uh, round, but... It was absolutely brutal. It was absolutely brutal. Like full force checks every chance they got. It was it was nuts. And you know, and you're seeing guys get hurt, not necessarily because of bad bad hits, but from the Kings perspective, Rasmus Kupari. Yeah, uh, he got he got injured. He got a, it sounds like he had a bad knee injury and is gonna be out 
potentially for the rest of the season, a I think. A very weird play, man. A very I know. It, it was not knee on knee. And I it, thought it was, and I apologize. Like Some people commented, but like I thought I saw an angle there where it kind of almost looked like him and the Swedish defender kind of turned and it contacted knee on knee, but it was it was more hip on knee. And yes, he there was some jump. weird collision where he was in the air and the guy was trying to throw kind of a half hip check and right. he ends up hip checking his knee. Right. It's just, I mean, I don't mean to lie, it's just a weird. Yeah, it was. It was very strange, play. and I, yeah. I still don't know how much the initial impact versus the impact with the ice and the way he landed caused all of it. But it sounds yeah. like he's actually pretty significantly hurt, and he's going to be out for the rest of the season, um, which doesn't help Ontario uh, any with all their injuries and things like that yeah. they've been dealing with. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's there's been a lot of like suspensions and injuries and things like that. I can't imagine that the Canada Russia game is going to be ticky tack hockey, you know, real clean hits there. I think there's going to be some some blood and bones on that one too. So it should be fun to watch. Yeah, Canada Russia have never been friendly encounters. Right. Going back to remember that Summit series when we kind of the seventy two Summit series where we revisited and watched it because obviously we were too young to, right. to we weren't even born until <laughs> you right. see it. It was. I was like, remember? No, yeah. I don't. <laughs> remember the Summit series when we weren't alive, um, <laughs> and we watched it. And good lord, <laughs> dude, that Hockey was brutal. In the seventies was was very different, guys. Was very Bobby different. Clark was a jerk. He, he Bobby intentionally Clark was... broke somebody's ankle. That somebody <laughs> is the greatest Russian forward to ever live, Valery Harlamov, and it was a brutal. Tw- it's not one of those things. Where you're like, well, you know, he didn't mean to break his no, no. No. There was there was nothing else going on in that play but Bobby <laughs> Clark and a lumberjack chop on Valery Harlamov's ankle. And yeah. that was it. Yeah. I suspect there won't be any breaking of ankles in the gold medal game. But our point is it's always, always, always a great matchup. And you know what? Say what you want, man. Things are just better when Russia's in the final. Things are just things are better. They're more entertaining when it's either Canada and Russia or USA and Russia. Right. I think for North Americans, a, they want Russia. Right. There's like an animosity that comes with it. Sure. Just and obviously it's like geopolitical. It's way of bigger course, than hockey for sure. Course. But like no one's sitting there going, "Damn it, I want Sweden." You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe if you're Finnish, my, maybe my if blood you're Finnish. lust for Sweden cannot be quenched. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I think only if you're Finnish do you say that. And even exactly. then it's like it's like those Sweden guys aren't, aren't very nice. That's, yeah. that's about the extent of it. But like Canada, USA versus Russia is, you know, there's Cold War animosity comes right back out again. And of course and the it, history, man. The history. Yeah. We mentioned the Summit Series. You think to this day Russia, every time they hear – the numbers one nine eight zero. They don't want right. to friggin' just punch right. something, make a hole in the wall. Uh, and of course, look, we're American, and I'll I'll say this: it's been forty. We're going up forty since the miracle on ice. It's a big four zero. Yeah, we're still talking about it, and we, and we still will, no matter what. These guys, they dominated the Olympics for like two decades, and we're right. still talking about the miracle on ice. I so, think it's actually uh, punishable by death to use the term <laughs> miracle anywhere near a Russian ice rink. But it's also a compliment to the Russians to call it a miracle and not call it like it's true. 
It's true. You know, a turn of events. No, it's, That's right. a, it's a miracle. <laughs> Happenstance. <laughs> yeah. So the happenstance on ice doesn't have the same ring. Russia <laughs> is good for hockey. We need Russia in hockey, in, interna- in international hockey. We need them to be good. That's Apparently Montreal point. also needs some, some Russia as well. Yeah. Ilya Specific Russia. Signing with the Montreal Canadiens on what is a, a throwaway contract? The two way uh, deal, 700K. Yeah. Um, a contract that had the LA Kings had some of the terms, probably he would have been in Ontario right now. I think the I think the two way aspect of it was now that I'm looking back at it retrospectively, even with salary retention and whatnot, it must have been this whole lack of a two way deal. Of course, because that made things you way can't more send him down. To, right, you're stuck with them basically, or yeah. you you do yeah, what yeah. the Kings did, which is just like send him off to the oblivion kind of and you buy out his contract or you terminate it so interesting interesting move listen when you have an out like that it's it's a no risk contract for the canadians yeah it's absolutely a no risk contract for them what's gonna what's the worst thing that's gonna happen yeah and montreal's kind of in a in a tough spot right now lots of injuries on for them and you know still clawing i guess from their perspective near a playoff spot and so they're looking to find scoring wherever they can um and maybe it works out maybe it does maybe it doesn't but if it doesn't it's a it's like you mentioned it's a very low risk deal and that's primarily why they did it i hope so, it does work out yeah i i, I like having Ilya kovalchuk in the league i i think there's no reason why you shouldn't have talented players play in the league and there's all this talk of like, oh, well, he needs to adapt. He needs to do this. Again, we talked about this when he was on the Kings. You know what you're getting with Ilya Kovalchuk. If you don't know what you're getting, you're, you know, you're the one with the problem. Sure, that's but on Kings, you. Yeah. The Kings didn't have the option of sending him down to the AHL. Let's see what happens in Montreal. I'm pretty sure they're going to use him sparingly, but – Hell, they'll probably use him correctly. They'll probably just give him his four minutes of power play time a night and just park him in one spot and just keep trying to feed him, which was something that, for whatever reason, the Kings never actually developed as part of their power play plan. It would, anytime it ever happened, it was almost accidental. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he didn't communicate properly, Vardy, where <laughs> he wanted the puck. Because had he just told them, I wanted here, they would have given him more passes. I mean, uh, I hope someone in he, Montreal knows to go up to him and be like, "Hey, man, where do you want? It? You know, where do you want it? Do you tell me? You tell me where and you then want he it." Can, he can pre- prepare like a YouTube clip of I don't know, four hundred roughly goals he scored from yeah, that yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And he should just answer with a text message. His <laughs> YouTube link, like. He'd be like, look, it's about six minutes long. Yes. You can turn it off after the three-minute mark because this gets repetitive. <laughs> uh, or he'll just take like a photo with his phone and just draw a big red circle yeah. on there. Uh, here. So like today he met the media for the first time. Oh, interesting. I and didn't see the that. The first thing he did, he said was in French. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> automatically loves him. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> they love him. But yes, uh, I, think he'll, I think he can do well. Um, believe me, all this, these tales of his demise are greatly exaggerated Yeah, and they come from a bitter, bitter place. I don't care who says what to bring up like that. He was the only, though he was the problem with the Kings. Yeah, bro. Okay. He was the problem with one guy. 
Never mind that we had the worst special teams in the NHL. Never mind right. that our goaltending was struggling in the beginning. Never mind that our defense was objectively terrible. Never mind all that. He was the problem. And yeah. now the problem's gone. And that's why everything's great right. now. Right. That's why and everything's that's why the that's goaltending's why better. That's why the Kings are like 500 in their last 10 games. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Anyway, we could we could harp on that but it's a new year we're feeling good we're feeling positive double lucky double lucky i hope he's uh i hope he does well i hope he he fits because no matter how you slice it whether it was the team whatever he just didn't fit it didn't fit here for whatever reason uh anyway hopefully he fits with montreal hopefully they know how to play to his strengths instead of focusing on his weaknesses and hopefully he remains in the nhl for the rest of the season like that's all I could hope for him. Right. Um, he's on the hated Montreal Canadiens, but you know what? We like the player. We'll root for him to be good. Uh, just not against us. Just not against us, which is like, what, one time? Yeah, and exactly. And listen, if, if – guys, I'm telling you, please don't don't be that guy who's going to boo him. Don't boo him. him. Don't be stupid. Like, <laughs> he did come nothing. On. Like, come on. Even the most bitter Kovalchuk-hating fan – will tell you, like, dude, <laughs> like, don't boo him. It wasn't on him. The team loved him. Everyone in the organization speaks highly of him. I don't want right. to hear any booing. Don't be those guys. Right. You know, Save that for, like, Matthew Kachuk, who is a true villain, and he's great at it. Yikes. What's Sorry. It? I'm, like, I'm going through Twitter, and I just saw, like, a random uh, clip of an injury to, to Cody Glass. Oh, it looks bad. I don't it, wanna, should I look at yeah, it? It's, his skate kind of gets stuck as a blues player is checking him. And his body goes one direction, but the leg keeps going in the opposite direction. I don't want to look at it. Should I look at it? Uh, the reverse angle is the worst. It's so bad. Oh. You know how bad I am with these. Like I'm a You're goddamn bad. doctor. <laughs> Man. Okay, so... Watching it, it, watching it, watching it. It doesn't look so bad from the regular angle, but then the behind the net cam angle, you really appreciate how his right leg. Oh, <laughs> oh my That's the god, reaction. man! It's appropriate reaction. I hope he's okay. I hope yeah. he's okay. <laughs> uh, they gotta do right. something about these skates or uh, something. <laughs> something about this. This, this whole this hockey knife on <laughs> this, your yeah, on your boot thing, slippery surface <laughs> thing is not working. Who came up with this game? Where were we? Yes, uh, Kovalchuk, happy trails. I hope good luck against Montreal. I hope they use you properly, and I hope nobody boos no you. No you. Come on, don't do it. Uh, All star game. Oh yeah, Kopi. Kopi. Who else would it be? Honestly, nobody. And yeah. With all due respect, anyone who says Sean Walker, just stop talking. <laughs> what like what is wrong with you? What is like is the, that what is that where we are right now where <laughs> like everyone is that excited over Sean Walker who hey, steady, right? Steady right. defenseman has some skill. But come on. Yeah. If you put him on any and I know this is a lofty kind of comparison, but you put him on any of those cup winning defenses, he's a healthy scratch every game. Yeah. So let's relax, okay? Yeah. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. No, it's I think 
even internally, like there's no person on this team more deserving than Kopi. Sean Walker is a pleasant surprise. He is not an all-star player. Come on. He's, he's a pleasant surprise who we hope gets better. Yeah. But Kopi. Great. Kopi, perfect. You know, a lot of guys, again, opting out, not going. Ovechkin, Fleury have opted out. I can't imagine Kopitar would do that. He's got no reason to. Um, Plus, and, he's not a perennial. I mean, he should be, but he's not a perennial all-star. Right. Like, Ovechkin is an automatic every season all-star. Well, that's, again, I think that's also because of the team, right? Like, we have a balanced enough team where some seasons Dowdy's going to earn it. Jeff Carter had a great year. But if it wasn't for that, then Kopi would be it. But I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. Ovechkin's, Ovechkin's a generational. A superstar. Yeah, he's a generational yeah. player. He's going to be in every single year. Right. Even if he has a right. subpar, I don't know, uh, 10 goals at the All-Star, right. they're probably going to vote him in right. to start. So. But, uh, yeah, it's always nice. And obviously every team gets to send a representative, and it's going to be nice to have to have Kopi there per usual and have someone to watch. Um, I really wish they would have the Young Stars games like they used to. I yeah. really enjoyed those. I thought that was a lot of fun. And then maybe in that setting, Sean Walker could have made it. I don't know. Sure. But Blake Lazat maybe could have made it. He certainly would have been worthwhile from that standpoint. Um but yeah, otherwise, you know, the All-Star Games an exhibition tourney. It's not it's not must-see TV. It hasn't been must-see TV pretty much ever. The fantasy draft version of it that they had, I thoroughly enjoyed. Now they've got rid of that as well. The uh novelty, I think of the um of the shootout tournament is also kind of worn off. It's become like a prop no. contest. It's yeah. The novelty lasted all of, I think. The first two tries of the first one where everyone's exactly. like, okay, we get it. Like this right. is going to be – again, we've talked about this before in our – you can check out some of our List Miserable episodes. I'm sure we've right. broken – and then there is an All-Star is Born where I think we break down how we want to improve the NHL. We throw in some legends. Anyway, did it? Did you see that they're thinking about putting legends in? No. Well, that's Barty. great. That's what they should do in the actual game or like a pro-am game kind of thing. I think it's going to be part of the weekend – because they had the Pro-Am game, I remember, in L.A., and that's when we got the uh, you know, the YouTube legend clip of Chris Pronger checking Justin Bieber. <laughs> which... But yeah, I remember really being into it in the 90s. Mm-hmm. In the 90s when there was like 21 teams and the All-Star games mattered back then. I remember the first – I don't remember it, but I've now I've seen it enough to kind of have it be a memory. The first All-Star game – with Gretzky on the Kings was in Edmonton. Yeah. And he, the starting lineup was all Oilers and Gretzky, where I think it was Robitaille, Gretzky, Curry, like it was great, great stuff. And the yeah. whole, like the entire building was a buzz. There's been some cool things like that, but clearly it's lost its luster. Talks of now, other than the legends, going back to North America versus the world. Mm -hmm. Because they got to think of something, man. Like, and every league struggles with this. I think the NBA is the one uh, league that somehow has managed to keep the All Star Game, yeah, an event. And some of that is just in the nature of how it is, right? Like, the three point contest for whatever reason is still exciting. The slam dunk contest, even though they kind of had gotten gimmicky as well, is still exciting. It's retweetable. Exactly. That's but what it comes it's, down to. But it's it's 
I think the as- the interesting aspects of those is that it's not necessarily the guys who are in the All Star game who are in any of those contests, right? Like the slam dunk contest, you don't have to actually be selected to Correct. be an All Star to participate. Enter, yes. Right. So I think there's an extra incentive there because if you're a young player, you're not an All Star, but you're talented in this particular respect, then you get to show up and and you know do what you can. And maybe there's a bit more flexibility with with a slam dunk contest than a breakaway tourney, but I wouldn't be opposed to having young stars or whatever participate in a breakaway tourney. Dude, fastest add, skater is the yeah. easiest one. Just yeah. get it, the just fastest get, guy. <laughs> just get the five fastest guys, six fastest guys in the yeah. league, and be like, let's do this. Yeah. Maybe Austin Wagner makes an appearance. You know what I mean? It's possible. Right. Like maybe that's what you need. Because, I mean, Connor McDavid is going to be an all-star. And Connor McDavid will always be in that fastest skater category. Right. You could do that with everything, right? Like hardest shot. It doesn't have to be Shea Weber and Zdeno Chara every year. Like there's other dudes. Maybe Martin Frick shows up, baby. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's still stuff like that. Stuff like that. And that gives you the opportunity to – market guys that are otherwise will never have the opportunity to be marketed we already have a marketing issue with this whole league as it is um and other than you know your five or six handful of true stars even like all stars aren't guaranteed to be marketed so if you have an opportunity why not man maybe they're like oh this guy's the fastest skater in the league and i've never heard of him and all of a sudden there's some cachet to his name so I think it, it also helps to to market your younger players, right? Like there's something to be said for having veterans from every team constantly make it year after year. But then if you don't have younger players who can attract younger fans and newer fans and they can kind of watch that player grow and progress through their career, yeah. whereas initially they weren't an all-star, like you're, you're going to have guys like McDavid and um, Matthews who are – in the all-star game within their first couple seasons, but that's not going to be every team and not every, and again, there's some teams who are so loaded that they can't send four all-stars like that. The game, the format of it does not allow for that. But so I think there's, there's definitely room for improvement. I think even having like, I I actually like the idea for whatever reason of like having a pro amateur game kind of like that. That's, I think that's, gimmicky but i think it's marketable and people are interested in watching that yeah i think i think the legends versus young stars game something like that would be a lot of fun <laughs> you know <laughs> oh my god or you or you mix mixed Mixed-in doubles kind of thing right like you have like affair. right but that gives you you know like i think that's one of the fun things of all the nhl games like the actual ea nhl games is that you get to make like your ultimate team of guys from you know 1984 Wayne Gretzky playing with Patrick Kane, right, right, that kind of thing. And so, I think that's a lot of fun. And if you're gonna make it fun, you got to fully embrace the fun. You can't half-ass it, in my opinion. And the NHL, for whatever reason, a lot of times to kind of like save face or with the whole John Scott thing, like they put they pump the brakes on fun. And I think the NBA has found the perfect formula where they are just like, screw it. Whatever you guys want to do, wear whatever shoes you want to wear, do whatever you – like bring whoever. It's a party. And I think that's what you have to like. You have to have that mentality going into the All-Star game to make it something that people actually want to watch, yeah. that the actual fan will want to watch, not just like the casual observer. And you have to make sure 
that the players will want to play. Right. And I think all those ideas we just talked about would be a step in that right direction. If I don't know what will get Alex Ovechkin to want to play, uh, but maybe like playing with someone he idolized is enough for him to be Dude, like, okay, exactly. I'll, I'll show up for that. Exactly. Take you, a, know? you know, take a pass from Mario Lemieux. Something, Exciting. something like that. That's like a lot of fun. Like Ovechkin and Larionov on the same line, or you have like Larionov, Ovechkin, Bore on a line together. <laughs> come on, come yeah. on. That is that is worth watching, isn't the, it? Just give the puck to Ovi. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the other two like, are just floating. <laughs> but that would—that's the kind of stuff that I think they need to fully embrace. Otherwise, you end up like the Pro Bowl, where no one really cares. Like that's no one's watching the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean they have it after the season, so that alone should tell you. Like exactly. So I don't know. Just some thoughts. I'm sure we've talked about them before, but we have interesting things. Always fun to talk about it. Um, yeah. All right. So, what are your New Year's resolutions for the Kings? I know that's kind of an odd question, but as a Kings fan, mm-hmm. what are your New Year's resolutions? If what I are know? my resolutions towards the Kings? Like, what am I going to do as a fan regarding the Kings? Or if I was, if I was in charge of picking the resolutions for the Kings, what should they do? What should right, they resolve the to do? Let's go with the second one. Second one sounds a lot more interesting. Than <laughs> yeah, because for me, it's going to be like. Uh, be a better fan i don't know keep watching i think it's yeah keep watching ditch less i don't know um if i was if i was to pick the resolutions for the kings uh i would say have no fear of playing younger guys next season i think there's going to be a lot of guys who are kind of you know iffy like, for example, Kaliev, right? He's going to be 19. Yeah. He's going to be too young to play in the AHL, and he's absolutely annihilating the OHL. He's one of these poor guys who's going to be in playing an overage season, which is always a risky proposition. So I think a guy like that, you have to embrace the idea of giving him an eight-game cup of coffee, kind of like what they did with Bjornfoot maybe, but obviously they had the ability to send Bjornfoot down because he yeah. was coming from Europe. But I think you... I think you embrace the future wholeheartedly. I think you throw a couple guys in the fire, you reward them, and you play a couple 19-year-olds. You can't do that with Turcotte because if you do, then he's no longer able to go back to college and play. But I think Kaliev in particular is a good example of someone that I would like for them to resolve to, to really start pushing these guys into the lineup and see what you've got. Nice. Um Mine was going to be stick to the plan. And, okay. And the reason I say that is because, there, you know, it's only social media and stuff. And I know, you know, this doesn't mean the team or the brass is actually feeling this way. But there is a whole lot of like, oh, wow, things are turning around much sooner than we thought. Oh, wow, this team is a lot better than what the plan suggested. Oh, wow. Before you know it, the next season, I just want to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's great that they're competing. It's great that they're significantly better than they were in the first few months of the season. But I also want to just take a step back and realize, cool, so they're adopting the system properly. They're buying into what their coach is selling. 
They're playing better. They're learning how to use each other. They're building chemistry. These are all good things, but let's not put anything into overdrive because you're seeing some kind of result right. from your plan. Stick to the plan. That being said, I do agree with you. If the plan suggests, no, we have to let everyone marinate, maybe you could tweak some parts of that plan. Maybe what's happened has at least given you the flexibility to make slight adjustments to your plan. But that's my resolution for the team. Do not abandon the plan. Do mm -hmm. not, you know, go in and be like, you know, hey, we thought 2021 was the year or uh, 2022 right. was the 21, year. No, 22 is it's next year. No, I don't want to yeah. hear it. I don't want no. Yeah. No. Stick to it. Keep doing what you're doing. If the team outperforms your plan, that's different. Right. That's different. If they come out and they win, I don't know, 11 straight next season, you'd be like, okay, perhaps this is – but they're still losing games. They're losing them closely. Stick to the plan. Play the kids if you feel like they have the opportunity to play. And that's that's it for me. No, I agree. I agree. I, I guess my, my point is more so like don't be afraid to play a younger guy just because you have an older guy. Agreed. Does that make sense? Like, I think I think it's too tempting to stick to keep playing an older guy, keep playing an older guy because you have an older guy kind of thing. I agree. All right. So I think we've tackled a lot of uh, a lot of good things. I think it's about that magical time. It is a magical time. I feel good about this one. It's a good one. It's a good. I feel it's a good, good start. about this one. It's a good start. Episode to... fifty-one. That's right, and we we end it the way we traditionally do by playing the guess what that jersey number was worn by who and how many players game title title still in development. Da, 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 ba, da, in, <laughs> that's right, cool. <laughs> There's the entrance music. I have a few right off the bat. Okay, you know, obviously. So let me let me hold on for the sake of everyone. Yes, yes listening at home. Uh, there are seven players seven who have players. worn the number 51 uh, for the L.A. Kings. Mm -hmm. The first player to ever wear it was in 1990. Oh, easy. And go. Okay. Sorry, I'm writing a few down. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. okay. Now, seven, this is going to so surprise sorry. you, but I think I know the 1990 guy. All right. Let's hear it. I don't – like I just see – is it okay? Is it a man named Lindholm? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, got that. Ama what was his first lost name? His step, guys. Mikhail. Mikhail, Mikhail Lindholm. Lindholm. Uh, so I was like, I was worried it was like Limblom or something. I don't know, but it is a Lindholm, so that's it cool. It is a Lindholm, indeed. It is. I got that. The next guy on my list is, of course, Austin Wagner. Mm -hmm. All Swedish, no Finnish. That's right. God, you want to talk about a New Year's resolution? That poor kid. Score some goals. How Jeez. about that? Convert some of the grade eight opportunities you're getting from five feet in front of the net. The next guy I got is. So you got your bookends. I got obviously. my bookends, right? Yes. The next guy I got is probably smack dab in the middle, and that's mm -hmm. big Scott Thomas. Indeed, it is. How wow, can I forget? Actually, he's immediately in the middle, there you actually, go. 2001. There you go. Uh, how can I forget? He started the frenzy. <laughs> then don't you forget? He started the frenzy the on Figueroa. <laughs> when it, it was all said and done, Scott Thomas put in a greasy, ugly goal. It was horrible, <laughs> but it counts, baby. But and that's what the early 2000s were for the Kings, baby. That's right. Just tons of grease. Okay, so we got four left. Yes, you do. I was not anticipating that there would be this many left after I got my three in. Um, after Mr. 
Lindholm. <laughs> what was the year on the next player? Because I think Nin- I have another one. Uh huh. But I'm, I'm, conf- I'm. It's a 51 versus a 15. Okay. And it's Sean McEachern. Correct. He is a 51. Ooh, yes. He is a 51. Okay. I think he's. Let me see here. Yes, he was. He was the next one after. Uh, Sir Lindholm. Beautiful. Right. Beautiful. Sean, Sean McEachern, solid NHL career. He was a good player when we got him. Yeah. Um, he played one season for us, 49 games. I'm sure. Uh, was he Boston before? Boston, Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh before. Okay. Yeah. And then we picked him up in 93-94. Looks like maybe not a trade like halfway through the season. And then after that, he went back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he had 21 points in 49 games for us. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I'll be re- I'll be really surprised if he I get did also wear 15 in Pittsburgh. Three. So that's probably why. That's you, where my uh, confusion was. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Is there anyone before Scott Thomas now? He won. One. And what was the year on one. this gentleman? 1994 as well, hmm. which is interesting, because actually, okay, I see how it happened. So he left, and, and okay, this is a tough one. Because oh, it was one shit. of these, like I know. You know the name, or you? No, don't... no, I'm not gonna get it. Oh, okay. I, I accept that I'm not gonna get it. It's it's one of these one gamer. Yeah, exactly. Guys, I mean, I'm I'm happy with just knowing anyone from 1994, yeah, yeah, let yeah. alone two guys. <laughs> Justin Hawking. There you go. Was not gonna get that. Not spelled the same as Stephen Hawking, therefore no relation. Moving on. Cool. All right. So then it's Scott Thomas, and now you're down to two players. Mm. And this is – I should know. I possibly should know these. I I would say yes because at least one of them you at should know. At least one know. of them. Okay. Yes. All right. So I'm going to need the seasons, of course, because we are now in the difficult Lifeline. times. That's Lifeline right. Lifeline times. Okay. 2003 okay. was one of them and 2006 was the other one. Hmm. That oh three okay maybe do the six one then if you're if you're feeling better about it even that one I I it's just <laughs> off the top of my head it's hard to pull that. yeah um positions uh two thousand three was one of these I'll play whatever you want me to play kind of guys. <laughs> Awesome. No, literally, in hockey reference, he's listed as a center slash defense. <laughs> okay. okay. For for the he played ten NHL games, all were with the Kings. He <sighs> had two points, and he played center slash defense. Okay. Wherever you need me, coach. <laughs> Just Great. get me out there. Great. The other one, two thousand six, um, you'll immediately know. Actually, had. Uh, an okay NHL career, but it's it's an infamous name. Okay. In LA Kings history. Okay. An infamous name in LA Kings history. Wow. Yes. Infamous. That's, that's quite a that's quite a statement. And what's his position? Uh, forward. An infamous Left specifically. forward in LA Kings history. Wow. Yes. Okay, I yes. need a second here because I should <laughs> I should know this then. Now, interestingly, I'll point this out to you. Uh, infamous forward in LA Kings history, however, only played a handful of games for the LA Kings. Right. So it is it. So it's either you have to think around it, that era. Okay. So it's either a name that's 
Just the name? Is it Essa Pyrrhus? No, oh, that's a good guess. No, I think he was in the teens, wasn't he? Wasn't he like he twelve? Might been, he might have been. Yeah. I just thought, okay, Infamous played a handful of games. But he was but Infamous the, for the wrong reasons. But you're but you're on the okay. right. You're in the right era, and you're on the right track. Okay. Not because his name was, you know, potentially <laughs> substitutable for body part. As Bob um, Miller would tell you. That's right. No, more so because there was a lot of expectation mm. associated. Interesting. With because you normally you don't expect a lot out of a number fifty one. You don't. <laughs> but apparently this guy. You don't. But there was connected to him. There was a lot of expectation associated. Wow, with the number yeah. fifty, that seems like yeah. madness. All right, to me. let's 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 knock out two thousand three because he's clearly not as relevant okay. here. Okay, okay, two thousand three was a gentleman by the name of Chris Schmidt. Chris Schmidt. Nope. And Sorry. nope. No. It's irrelevant. Good times. Now two thousand and six. Yeah. Okay, so this is the one I got to get. He played two hundred and forty-two NHL games. But his first four games and his yeah. only four games with the Kings. These games were meaningful? Again, well, not necessarily the, okay. the, the, the the games themselves. Wow. So this is like someone who gained fame after the Kings. Whatever fame. No? You know, it's not even a fame thing. Wow. It's it's a, it's a, like I said, it's an infamy based on I'm really upset at myself. Yeah. It's hard because he didn't play very many games and so you would have to remember the jersey number. How about this? <laughs> How about okay. this? He's like a movie that has an amazing trailer and is in development for a long time and then it just flops. Okay, so he was a high draft pick. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was. There okay. you go. High Wheels are turning. NHL bust. A bust in the NHL, probably for his position. You have to you have to put yourself in the mindset of early two thousands LA Kings fan. And you you had thoughts on the future, things were going in the right direction. And then came a year where you were just like, this is going to, this is going to matter. Okay. <laughs> all hold right. on, hold on. All right, all right, all right. This is taking too long. If I were, if I were to ask you. Yes. As an LA Kings fan. Yes. What, in the early 2000s, what is one of the most significant things in LA Kings draft history in the early 2000s right what would you say in the early 2000s yes drafting Frolov in 2000 Camilleri was uh, Jeff Tambellini there it is oh man wow okay okay, okay. you didn't say anything and it all kind of came together yeah. as I looked in the face yeah. so sh tell me how that happened tell me what Finally, well, you, listen. You, first of all, you said significant LA Kings draft, so I literally went through the drafts mm -hmm. to my memory because I know Frolov was first that decade. Right. 
24th overall, I think, was what Something, he ended up. Yeah, and yeah. then Camilleri, I forget if he was the next. Second round pick. Right. So I was trying to think of, like, what came out of each draft, and we landed on 03 where they had three in the first round, which is Brown, Boyle, and Tambellini. And Tam- yep. Boyle and Tambellini were back-to-back. So, and I remember he was 51. So good notes, Artie. I mean, you were very patient. You did kind of feed me that I was, one. I was weaving. I was weaving a tail there. You know, yes. just trying to. Yes. And again. I'm glad we didn't get to the initials because then I would have been really upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you would have. You would have been really upset. But this is coincidentally. That's I wanted this to be the Jeff Tambellini episode. Very nice. Again, Very not nice. because of the four games that he played for the Kings, but because that draft year. Yeah. The hype around that year, if yeah. you recall. I mean, again, that this was a draft that every single first rounder eventually played an NHL game, I believe, right? Even, I believe even, that's correct. Even, even Hugh Jessamine. Even Hugh Jessamine played a game. God damn right. it. So you can, we knew this going into this draft that it was an absolutely loaded to the gills draft and we had three first round picks and took brown boyle tambellini and we thought here we go yeah here we go and dustin brown still paying dividends obviously worked out well yeah brian boyle good player but not you know, not what no, you would expect. He, ends up, he kind of ends up being a bottom six guy, yeah. I, albeit like a very good bottom six forward. And like a valuable a member to a lot of yeah. teams. Um, the and Kings, Jeff Tambellini yeah. ends up being really, I think, for a first-round pick and for all the hype surrounding that year, a bust. Yeah, he does. Unfortunately, Tambellini Boyle, 26-27, number 28 to Anaheim, Corey Perry. I've heard of him. Yeah, he's so there's look if you you could do this with every draft, obviously it's of course kind of not fair. Um, but what you should look at and be quite happy with, I guess, is that four of these players ends up on the LA Kings at some point with Patrick O'Sullivan. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, not, not I'm Sullivan. counting Tambellini and Boyle. It's actually. Six guys? So I'm talking about Jeff Carter. Carter, Richards, Richards, Flanuff, Brown. Flanuff. Yeah. Who went number nine? Boyle, Tambellini. Yeah. Six of them end up playing for the LA Kings out of the first round alone. Wow. So it's pretty crazy. The names in this draft year. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's wild. Yeah. If you go beyond, Wait, I mean, O'Sullivan was 56. Also for the. For the LA Kings. Did not. I thought he did. No, Braden McNabb did. Are you sure? Braden Colbert, never an LA King. For sure. Why do I think? You're right. Damn it. Never an LA King. It happens. Braden's, you know. Uh, so interchangeable. Number 16, Braden's. overall, Steve Bernier. Mm-hmm. Five-minute major for boarding on Roscoe right. in game six. That's right. You want to play seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. There it is, man. Look at that, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of – this is an outstanding draft. You go beyond that first round. It oh, still blows Bergeron, your mind. right? Bergeron's in the second Louis round. Erickson. Yeah. Uh, Patrick O'Sullivan, like you this. said. I think I remember looking at this and just looking at the number of uh, thousand game players that came from this draft. Yes. yes it's yes, yes. It's nuts. 
it is nuts what a what a year this was. Shea Weber, yeah. Colin Frazier in the third round. There you go. Also. There so you go. Daniel Carcillo in the third round. Like there's some names, man. There's some names in this draft. It's always fun playing this game. Uh I just realized Anthony Stewart played for the Kings too. Oh my Number god. 25 to That's Florida. Right. He played like a handful of games. So That's right. <laughs> This is forever known as the L.A. Kings draft. <laughs> we just keep right. mining, baby. Um, actually, I take that back. Anthony Stewart only played for Manchester. Did not make it to the show. He signed with the Kings. I remember Kings. that. Yeah, okay. I remember that. Anyway, good memories. Mostly bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, but a lot of good. Uh, you know, It's always nice to see that Konstantin Pushkarev <laughs> never. Just before just, Patrice Bergeron. What could have been? Uh, that's that's it and for a couple us guys. spots before Shea Weber. Yikes! Imagine, imagine and that. a few spots before Corey Crawford. <laughs> yeah, I could keep doing this forever. <laughs> forever. It's been a pleasure, guys. As always, number fifty-one, the first one of the new year. I feel good about this year. Whether it be uh, from a King's perspective, a personal perspective, I feel pretty good about it. Vardy feels pretty good about it, um, and I feel like it's going to be great for all you listeners too out there. So thank you. Uh, we started this in what 2017. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us, buddy. <laughs> 2020. We made it to 2020. Thank you guys as always. Happy New Year to all of you. Happy holidays, belated, from us to you. It's gonna be better than the last few years, Kings fans. I'm telling yeah. you. I feel it in my loins, hockey wise. <laughs> I feel it. It is, it is hockey loins. In my hockey loins. <laughs> Not sure where those are located anatomically. <laughs> it could be the start of something special. So follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on all your podcast platforms. Write us an email at thebannermanpod at gmail dot com. Nate Thompson at 183. <laughs> You've been listening to the Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast. 